This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 92 with Joette Calabrese. This is Joette Calabrese, and I'd like to welcome you to the Practical Homeopathy Podcast. Women and men worldwide are taking back control of their family's health and learning how to heal their bodies naturally, safely, and effectively. So if you're hungry to learn more, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned as we give you the tools and the inspiration you need as I share my decades of experience and knowledge using this powerful medicine we call homeopathy. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, Joette and I are going to be talking about the flu. It's been going around. It's that time of the year. And we're going to talk about how do you know it's the flu, what remedies to use, and some other things. So Joette, why don't you get us started? Well, one of the things that I want to mention is that when someone has a bad cold, they often think it's the flu. It may not be the flu. And sometimes it's difficult to decipher. Um, and also with allergies, sometimes folks get allergies and they can't tell whether or not it's a cold or it's allergies, etc. So one of the distinguishing factors is when someone has allergies, generally they don't get a fever. Generally, they don't have achy joints and bones. That's more related to colds and flus. So we can distinguish that. We can put that aside. We can also say that if no one else around you is sick with the similar symptoms, that it's more likely your allergies rather than what's going around in your community, in your home, in your church, etc. Now to distinguish between the cold and flu, that can be rather difficult. But the flu is, for lack of a better way of describing it, is a gobsmacking cold. I mean, you're really sick with the flu generally. So a cold is annoying. It's uncomfortable, but you can generally push yourself through it and get to your daily tasks. But influenza, generally speaking, really brings you down and assigns you to your bed or at least the sofa for several days. So that helps a little bit. So one of the things that can help you determine whether or not it's the flu or something else, or walk you through what to use for the flu versus allergies or coughs or colds, is the free flu chart. And that will actually pop up on Joette's website. When you go to joettecalibres.com, it'll pop up and ask you if you want to download that free flu chart. And so you can just click on that and you'll have access to that. And that will walk you through what remedies to use in each of those situations, whether it's a flu or a cold. So that's one good resource. And I know we have some other resources that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Okay, so let's get started. Let's flesh out what to do if you truly do have the flu then, Joette. Okay, so there are a couple of different ways. Actually, there are many different ways to approach flu or cold for that matter. The reason there are so many choices is because homeopathy is vast and it's been around for over 230 years. So the homeopaths in France most likely do it a little differently. Homeopathic medical doctors, in fact, in France, that's usually who prescribes these medicines are the pharmacists and the medical doctors. And in Spain, they might be doing it a little differently. And in India, it's different than that. In the United States, it's different. And then we also must adjust accordingly. 
according to the genus epidemicus, can make a big difference. And the genus epidemicus is a term to describe the kind of medicine that we would use, homeopathic medicine, that would be useful for a very, very large aspect of the population because once one person gets it and the next person gets it and it goes around, it kind of becomes the same medicine over and over and over again. Now, I find that's true for a lot of conditions that are common. It's not just the flu and the cold in which we all respond in the same way. Hence, we all receive the same homeopathic medicine. It's the same thing for an injury. We most often use aconitum or arnica. It's the same thing for cramps, uh, menstrual cramps. It's often simicifuga or magfos. So it is something that we can say is across the board. But in this situation, it's an epidemic. And so most everyone responds in a similar fashion. Hence, we can come up with one medicine that works across the globe often. Having said that, there are also homeopathic medicines that we find are consistently valuable. And I'm going to give you the medicines that I have found to be the most valuable more recently in my family, my community, my practice. Um, it doesn't mean you can't go back and look at others that I've used in the past. Like that flow chart. Like in that flow chart, exactly. Um, but it means that this is, you know, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily updated. It's just another way to approach this. And it's a little fine-tuning for the subject at hand at this time in 2020. And it actually makes it easier as well. You don't have to work your way through all the symptoms. There's just a couple of medicines that are considered effective most of the time for the flu, especially we're going to talk about the ones this year, correct? That's right. Now, if you try these medicines that we're going to be discussing and you find that they just are not acting, we're going to talk about how you know, then by all means, go to the flowchart because you may have to be more specific and realize perhaps that you were barking down the wrong or barking up <laughs> the wrong tree. You don't bark down trees, when, you bark up trees. <laughs> and when you said barking, I was thinking about cough. So was that a little play yeah. on words there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I like the homeopathic combination medicines. I think they're quite valuable. They make life easier. They're sold at Walmart and Wegmans or health food stores, which I think they belong in those kinds of settings. Those are the retailers we want to carry homeopathy. So one of the first ones I always think of is Oscillococcinum. And we'll have that written up here so you can see how it's spelled. And that is manufactured by Boron. Uh, if you go to their site, you go to Boron, B-O-I-R-O-N, and you purchase it, you can get a discount by putting my name into the little box, just Joette, J-O-E-T-T-E, um, I don't have an affiliate program with them. This is just for listeners to get a discount, and then you'll get it in the mail. Or some people like to go to Amazon. Others buy directly from Whole Foods or, as I said, Walmart, Wegmans, etc. So that's a good one, and you simply follow the directions on the bottle. So that's one of them. And given that that is a very important medicine in France, where it's manufactured, that is the most purchased over-the-counter medicine in all of France. And that's all medicines, right? All medicines, all medicines, including allopathic medicines. Mm. It's number one. So apparently it works for the French. <laughs> <laughs> but it works for us too. Personally, 
I've yet to find oscillococcinum help me personally. I don't know why that is, but I know it works for many, many others. And it can be used prophylactically, meaning, uh-oh, my child has got it and I'm prone to this kind of flu or cold, so I think I'll start taking it as well as giving it to my child. So that's the first one. So another medicine that my sons have used, I have not also used, is All Flu by Dr. Dales. You go online and you use your browser to find Dr. Dale's Wellness Center, Dr. Dale's All Flu, and there it is. And so you have the ingredients written in front of you, haven't you, Kate? Yes, because I actually purchased it this year. I wanted to try using it if we came down with the flu. And it has aconite, arsenicum, bryonia, eupatorium, gelsemium, helix, hydrogen, influenzinum, creosotum, phosphorus, tucrium, thuya, veratrum, and anise barberry. That's a lot of medicines. And generally, I don't like to use combinations that have that many, but when you're at a loss, that's not a bad choice. Interestingly, the reason that I wanted you to read those, Kate, is because there are some mainstays to flus, and that is aconitum, which is in there, um, arsenicum album is in there, gelsemium. Gelsemium is in there. Those are all well known flu medicines and okay. anise barberry. So I find that those are mainstays. So when in a pinch, it's not a bad choice at all. And we follow the directions, which is usually you use it every three to six hours, depending on the severity. And it can also be used prophylactically. And generally speaking, when we use any of these medicines prophylactically, it's twice daily every day for say seven or 10 days until the imminent threat nearby is gone. Not a kind of threat where it's in another part of the world or even another state, but rather your child is in school and there are children who are falling sick. That's when you know it's definitely time to start using it prophylactically. And then after that point, after you've taken it, say, twice a day for a few days because it's right there in your child's classroom or your child hasn't gotten sick yet, I would use it more frequently for the first week. And then after that, maybe once a week. So I've heard... And I imagine a lot of your listeners have heard various ways of using uh, homeopathic medicine prophylactically. And what you said is a little bit different than what I've heard. So can you just explain it a little bit? There are many methods because there are many homeopaths. There are many practices. And again, it's going right back to the way it's done in many parts of the world. When you're just want to protect from the flu in general, then you might use it once or twice a week or three days in a row, and then once or twice a week after that. But if it's imminent, it's in your child's classroom, your child has not gotten it yet, or your child has gotten it and you haven't gotten it yet, you might want to be a little more aggressive. And in that case, I would use it perhaps twice a day for a week to 10 days. And then after that, perhaps once or twice a week. So I'm, I know this is vague, but that's because I don't know exactly the circumstances. And it depends on how... Um, how prone you, the family member is that you're treating to these kinds of conditions. The more prone they are to, if you've got a husband who catches every single cold and flu that comes your family's way, then it's time to be a little more aggressive. If it's someone in the family who rarely gets sick, but you know that this influenza that's coming around is pretty powerful and is really laying people out, then you might use it a little less frequently with them, but be you know on the lookout for, for how frequently to use it. 
Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah. That you're saying you would use it that often, more often, like every day, if it's imminent, like it's in your household, it's in your child's classroom. There it is right next to you, Mm -hmm. right next to you. But if it's just out there in the community and you're not necessarily exposed every day to the virus, then you can use it a little less frequently. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now a simpler way, or perhaps not simpler, but if you've got a kit, a homeopathy kit, and I certainly hope that you do, because there's nothing worse than knowing what medicine to take and not owning it. So that's what the kid is all about, is having that basic mother stock of the most important medicines. And that is to use the Banerjee protocol for viruses and flus. And that is to use Roostox 30 with Bryonia 30 and take them together. So you can mix them in the mouth. In our gateway book, we have it together on one place. And then I've also seen it in a blog. It's alternating you have. So the reason that we do that, or the reason that I've done that is because I've seen it used both ways and I've used it both ways. So I've used it where it's alternating, meaning you're going to take Roostox, say at nine in the morning and about nine, 10, you're going to take Bryonia 30 and then go back to Roostox about three hours later. And then 10, 15 minutes later, you're going to go back to Bryonia 30 and you're going to keep doing this throughout the day. And this is generally when someone has gotten sick or they're first getting their first aspect of it. Mm. That's a great combination, alternating combination, but I've also used them mixed together where now, uh-oh, the person feels the achiness has already established itself. My gosh, every bone in my body is in pain. That's Roostox. And the Bryonia picture has already begun. The person is starting to feel it in their chest and coughing. That's when I would use it mixed together and take it every few hours. So is that the predominant protocol that the Banerjee's use for the flu? The flu method that I have in my notes after having worked in the Banerjee homeopathic research foundation clinic for over about a year and a half was to alternate them. But I've also observed the doctors at the clinic mixing them as well. So I believe that the alternating is the actual protocol, but sometimes when we're working with someone, not unlike what I just described, uh uh-oh, both those symptoms that are so prominent in those two specific medicines are already presenting in a very heavy way, then we can also mix them together and take them accordingly. Are there other protocols that the Banerjee's or you have come up with for the flu? Yes. And another one that I like to use is plain old arsenicum album in a 30, 30X or 30C. I like this as a prophylactic particularly if we have someone who fits the picture of our Senecum album. So I want you to go to your Materia Medica and read that. But even if you don't fit it, it can also be useful for a prophylactic as well, particularly if there's any gut issues, not necessarily with the flu, but perhaps the person has a queasy stomach or they can't eat this or that, or they have a sinusy issue in their lives. These are their chronic low-level conditions. This medicine is most likely going to act for that particular person. So Arsenicum album 30C or 30X as a prophylactic, maybe once a day for a week, maybe twice a day for a week, and then back off and take it only once or twice a week from that time forward. And that's, again, as a prophylactic because we know that the flu is imminent. If, however, the person has already been exposed or someone in the family's got it, we can do this the same way as as what we were just talking about with the combination flu medicine, as well as the Roostox 
bryonia combination, we're going to use them all in the same fashion, prophylactically and as needed. So our Senecum album is also great then once the person gets the flu, and then we're going to use it every three to 12 hours, depending on the severity of the conditions. So are there certain remedies that you have found effective for this strain of the flu virus that's going around this year? And when I say flu, again, we're talking about influenza, not necessarily the stomach flu, although you can have those symptoms with the influenza, but we're specifically right now addressing influenza. Well, in the last month or so, and this is the end of January 2020 in which we're recording this, but in the last month or so, I find that gelsemium has been very valuable because fatigue has been so grand. So gelsemium 30 every few hours has been very helpful. My son got something and it helped him a great deal. And he also got a cough. So we used aconitum and bryonia. And you can refer back to aconitum and bryonia on my blog. And aconitum bryonia combination, which is a Banerjee protocol as well, we used aconitum 200 bryonia 30 every few hours. So we were using both of those. But I believe gelsemium was the one that really made the biggest difference particularly with his heavy fatigue. And then we used it long after he was much improved, but for the fatigue, then we stayed with gelsemium and it cleared it up in in a few days instead of several weeks. Hmm. So you've given us some options to use for the flu. How do we know then when we've come down with something and we're taking these medicines, how do we flesh out if this medicine is working or not? Well, the first thing you're looking for is a shift. And what does that mean? It sounds rather vague, but one of the ways that we know something is acting is if the person falls asleep, because that's where we heal. So if the person falls asleep, then we have to make the assumption, well, the medicine must be working because they're not in pain. They're not crying because their legs or their back is achy, or they're not coughing so much that it's disrupting the ability to fall asleep, or they're not crying if it's a child, et cetera, et cetera. They're not moaning if it's your husband. They're asleep. And when they wake up, they may feel somewhat improved, but oftentimes it's not that quick. You may need to do this every several hours for a couple of days, but at some point you'll see that when you give the medicine, there's that sleepiness. It's almost a delicious sleep. Then you might also find that the person feels a sense of well-being, not like they want to go for a run, but rather instead of that tremendous angst that can sometimes accompany a cold or a flu, they feel, oh, all right. Okay. I, I still feel sick. The fatigue is still great. My chest feels compromised. But I don't know. I just feel, I don't know. It's even, most people don't even know enough to report it. But if they start smiling or they can laugh a little bit, or they can look at you with soft eyes instead of with anguish, then you know, that's likely a movement towards improvement. I think that is so important. And we need to catch that because remember homeopathy is gentle and we're not looking for necessarily the fever to go away or the cough to 100% go away. I mean, although we would like that, you might still have the fever, you might still have the cough, but like you said, the person might smile or converse with you instead of laying in bed, not wanting to talk and just rolling in pain. They will have that softness in their face and the willingness to to talk now and to maybe even joke a little bit. And, and so that is an important thing to look for. Well, to it's know. because homeopathy touches us on a very deep level. It's more that we're not treating symptoms, we're using symptoms. So we're not 
suppressing the cold or the flu or the fever or the pain. That's what allopathic medicines do. Instead, what we're doing is stimulating the body's natural ability to make the correction. And in making the correction, there is often a sense of restful sleep or a sense of well-being or the person's posture relaxes and they become more comfortable or their language improves or something that you notice there's a little bit of a difference or they're not as worried about the illness or they're just as sick, but it's not as bothersome and they can start talking about their plans in the next couple of days, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're looking for. That gives you important information. What information is it? That the medicine was correct. If you don't see a change after several doses, and I mean a couple of days worth, every few hours, two days, you should start seeing certain conditions softening. A cold or a flu can still last for days with homeopathy, but instead of weeks, however. And meanwhile, the person can get on with their lives. They may still have a little sniffle. They may still feel a little fatigued here and there. But what you're doing is stimulating that body's natural ability to make the correction each time you give a dose. You don't want to give the doses too close together. The first few doses, it's okay. But after a while, you, you really want to keep them several hours apart or only as needed. So when you see the person's getting a little perky and they're feeling a little bit better, and then bam, they start not feeling so well again, there's your cue. That's when you administer it again. And if you note that the last time you administered it was, say, six hours ago, now you know approximately every six hours that person needs the medicine. And you continue using this method until the person is very much better. So Joette, we've talked about homeopathic medicines for the flu. What else can we do to support our bodies when we're sick? Well, many times mothers contact me and say, he hasn't eaten. Well, that's exactly correct. One should not necessarily eat. Now, if you have an appetite, that's pretty unusual. If you have an appetite, then of course eat. But generally speaking, people who are sick with a cold or a flu do not eat. And that's normal and natural and it's the way it should be. And we should not worry about it. Instead, we want to keep the person hydrated. So good homemade bone stock is a good idea. Making homemade lemonade is a good idea. These are all opportunities to keep the person hydrated. So that's very important. Forget the food, but add the fluids and keep them flowing. Okay. And let's not forget that another great resource is the antibiotic alternative course that you have. Can you talk about that for just a minute? Because I think that's another tool that we can have in our tool chest to help. Well, with colds or flus, those are generally, it's only a secondary infection that would come about that would bring forth a bacterial infection. So antibiotics are going to be useless in a cold or a flu. And over-the-counter drugs can prolong the suffering of the flu in the long run. It might reduce the symptoms at the moment, but it can prolong suffering. So there's not an awful lot that allopathy has to offer. So this online course that I put out a couple of years ago that I presented a few years ago is still very available on the website, should you be interested. And it talks about the subsequent infections that can follow, such as an ear infection, they can be bacterial, strep throat, that is bacterial, uh, conjunctivitis can be bacterial. So I give you methods and specific techniques and recipes, formulaic methods, so that you can use these homeopathic medicines instead of having to go to antibiotics and other, even viral medications as well. And I think the antibiotic alternative I've heard you say is a great place to start if you're looking for a course to take and you're not sure where to start, which course, and you don't have any, say, 
allergies in your family that would point you toward the allergic course, the antibiotic alternative is a great starting point. Is that correct? I think it's a good starting point, but I would say even before that, start with a free blog. Hang out on the blog. It's free. And I've been publishing that for 10 years now. Every single week, I've never missed a single week, and I give a lot of great information for free. And the next one is the idea of joining a study group, some of which you run, Kate, which is great. And so that's up all on my front page, and that's called the Gateway to Homeopathy. And then there you'll meet other like-minded mothers and grandmothers so that you can learn right along with them. That's a fabulous way. And it's very inexpensive. But if you're looking for a real course where I give case studies and carry you through step-by-step what to use for urinary tract infections, otitis media, conjunctivitis, et cetera, that might indeed be the one that's for you. And don't forget, for those of you who don't know this yet, Joette does a Facebook Live every Monday night. And in fact, this week... Um, again, we're in the last week of January of 2020. You addressed the coronavirus and influenza on your Facebook Live. So make sure you tune in and listen to those Monday Night Lives, or you can actually listen to those anytime on your Facebook page, Joette Calabrese. That's right. And don't forget, there is a ton of information. If you go onto Joette's website or just Google Joette Calabrese flu, you'll find a lot of blogs that she's written and other podcasts that we've done, et cetera. The freedom that this gives us, knowing what medicines to own and how to use them, instead of fearing that you don't know what to do, is a comfort that's beyond explanation. As a mother, I know when I was raising my children, it was something that gave me such comfort. I know what to do if they have a head injury. I know what to do if they get a cold. I know what to do if if my husband gets the flu. I know what to do if my father, my anybody in my family, I felt as though I could take care of them because I prepared myself. And something that a client of mine just said to me the other day, and I think this was so profound. She said, being a mom has become a lost art. And I think that's true. I think that we've lost track of what our focus should be in life. That we've gotten, excuse me for those, and I don't mean to criticize anyone who has a a booming career or even a partial career, but I think careerism has replaced being a mom at home, knowing how to cook, knowing how to keep a tidy house, keeping her family healthy, knowing what medicines to use, taking care of her husband, and keeping their lives, the family's life, organized and well-structured. It's a beautiful art. It's a womanly art. And it's something that mothers and grandmothers need to get back to. Many of my followers are already there, so I'm commending you. Those of you who are on the fence wondering which way to go, one way or the other, I'm going to try to pull you this way (laughs) because I think it's very important for women to focus on the family as the primary goal and purpose in their lives. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can for free without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. 
I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.